Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to a Thursday episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Repay. He's Chris Stanziel. If you haven't filled out your bracket already, you still got a little bit more time. I don't think the first four, well, some brackets, the first four counts, but in most, it doesn't really matter. It's really the first round games that are when they lock in. So, Chris, with that said, tomorrow is officially the day. It's officially here, March Madness. I know... Nova's coming in limping a little bit. They got a few wounds to lick. At the same time, how can you not get up for this? How are you? Like, I haven't really slept the last couple of days, so I'm just already ready to get to the full slate of games on Friday, Saturday, and then some second-round stuff on Sunday and Monday. Dude, I'm so hyped for this tournament this year. The fact that it's back for the first time in a year. I'm taking a half day off on Friday. Oh, make let's sure go. I can get let's home go. on time for 12 o'clock, make sure everything's going, get all this monitor set up, get all the yes. food ready. Yes. Even though it's Lent, so, you know, I'll probably just get a pizza or something, bring it home. It's yes. going to be a fun time. I it, this, is what, this is what it's all about. This is what makes it so great. And it'll be a full slate of games before Villanova tips off. So it'll be an anxiety-riddled day, but at least, you know, I don't have to worry about, or we don't have to worry about Villanova in the middle of a game and like a one o'clock game, you got all these upsets going on. At least all the games will be pretty much settled. Yeah, I was going to say, make sure you don't eat too much pizza or drink too much adult beverages that you pass out before 957. We got a long, long marathon. A long, day. Long, long day. It's long a long day. day. It is. We're, we're looking at a 10 to 12 hour shift of merriment and joy on March Madness. Today's day and age, though, Eugene, I guess that's all we can really ask for, though. Yeah, exactly. It's last time we were on the show, the haters were getting to us a little bit. We were starting to get a little fired up about Winthrop. But honestly, I know that Nova's prospects, they took a little hit. And we're not kidding ourselves. And it's no secret that with a key injury like Colin Gillespie and Justin Moore, who, by the way, will be healthy and ready to go, which is great. However, even though Nova might not have as high as a ceiling as it once did, how can you still knock it up for this? We've talked about in the past, Chris, how when Nova gets knocked out, the tournament gets ruined for us. We can't really watch. Yeah. Maybe we'll tune back in in time for the Final Four. I mm-hmm. think this year, though, just given how we haven't had this in over a year, and it feels like forever since that 2019 tournament, I think I'll be able to take it to the chin and, and rally for the next day and watch and sit for that marathon. Same thing. It's I had the same feelings as you, man. It's 
you know, realistic expectations, you know, they're not a one seed and losing in the second round type thing, or is two seed losing in the second round type thing. Like, they're a five seed, kind of like in 2019 when they were a six. You just wanted to see them win a game or two, and you would you would just wipe your hands clean. And you'd be like, all right, let's watch the rest of it. That's how I kind of feel right now. It's like, you know, if they win against Winthrop, great. If But if they lose to Winthrop or if they lose to a Purdue or North Texas, then you know what? Nah, so be it. I'll probably still watch the rest of it. Not just because, you know, the, this is the first time in a year we're having the tournament, but also because, you know, it's this is just fun. This is just fun. And it's not like it's not the end of the world that Villanova loses here. You know, it's realistic expectations. And once you kind of set those realistic expectations, you kind of you kind of realize that you can watch the rest of the tournament without too much angst. Now, it's funny you say that because in 2019, I know the expectations weren't too high. I was still depressed. I still couldn't watch the rest of the tournament until the final oh, really? four. And on Thursday morning right here, I'm saying, yeah, oh, yeah, you know, fired up. I'll be ready for round two, no matter what happens to Nova this weekend. And I'm saying all this now, and I already know if something happens, like a loss to Winthrop or a loss to Purdue, North Texas, I'm going to be depressed. It's going to be March sadness. I'm not going to watch anything. <laughs> I'm saying all this, like one of those things where it's like you think you're ready, but then in reality, mm-hmm. you're not as ready as you think you are. That's a good point. Yeah, you are truly never ready for how these games develop in March. I mean, we say this now and then watch like Winthrop hit like a game winning half court three to win the game. And it's just like, all right, yeah, probably wasn't ready for that. Might have to take a day day or two off, not going to lie. Might even have a little bit more adult beverages after the game. But if they, you know, if they just go out there, they, they lose. Eh, eh, eh. Or, or they go out there and they become the first five seed ever win at all. Who knows? It goes both ways. It goes it, it, both that's, ways. That's also possible. Very possible. That's the beauty and, of March. You never know. Can you imagine that? First five seed ever to win. I've always said that the five seeds a death sentence because it's just you're prone to the five twelve upset, which is just such a hot thing to pick in brackets. And usually it does turn out that way. A lot of 12 seats upset fives. Then if you were to win, you're most likely playing a four seed, which is in the second round, around the 32, which is right on par with your skill level, most likely. And then if you win that, you're probably playing the one seed. So in the sweet 16, you already got to get to the one. And then after that, who knows? So it's just the it's just brutal. Those first three games, if you See, were to get that far. The other thing, too, is, yeah, 12 over five, sexy pick, common pick. But mm-hmm. I feel like five seeds, they're due, man. We're due for one. Just like UMBC, 16 seeds, <laughs> they were due for one. No one said it was possible, and it happened. We're, five seeds, we're due for one. We're due for one. You know, the way everything's been, how crazy would it be to wrap up a crazy two seasons with a seed that has never won winning at all? Cinderella story, long shots to the sequel, Dan O'Neill coming out 2022, book it. And but Colin, Colin Gillespie's ready to play in the championship too. Just just wait for that storyline. But before we get way ahead of ourselves, <laughs> before we keep going down the hypothetical highway, the dream pipeline, we do have some games to preview. Chris, this Winthrop game, it's funny because mm-hmm. Tuesday we were all fired up. We are ready to go. We were like, bring on Winthrop. We'll take them right now. First four. Let's do it. And then you sit in, some days pass, you get the talking heads, maybe they get to you a little bit. And now that I've watched some film and I've watched some video and I've looked into some stats, all right, what the, it's not going to be a cake, it's not going to be a cakewalk. It's not going to no. be a cakewalk. I'm starting no. to, you know, I, I definitely respect Winthrop. And one thing I like about Winthrop is the more I've watched their video, the more I've looked into their stats, they're exactly how I like to run a 2K team. 13 D star <laughs> point guard who does everything for you. Fast pace, shoot them up. 
disruptive on D. Chris, give us a little bit of a rundown on the Eagles. They're 23 and 1, Big South regular season and tournament champs. They're the sexy pick right now, but yeah. outside of, you know, I feel like all these people, all these analysts who've made these picks, all they talk about is Colin Gillespie's out. Tom, well, tell us about the Eagles. Tell us about the Eagles. How about we hear yeah. about what they can do? Yeah, what well, makes them so great? So on Tuesday's episode, I believe I referred to Winthrop's schedule as them playing the Charleston YMCA. And that is not too far from the truth. Two key knock-on wins were against Arkansas Little Rock and then our good pals at Furman. Then in conference, it was just atrocious. All those teams, I believe uh, Captain Ryan at, at View Hoops pointed out that they were all ranked below DePaul. But with that being said, for Kempom purposes, they're 120th in adjusted offense, 70th in adjusted defense, which is right on par with Villanova's, who come, comes into the tournament at 68. And then they're also, though, this is the key stat, and this is what everyone's freaking out about. They're 11th in adjusted tempo, which is within one of St. John's, and we all know how St. John's played Nova their first time out. That is what's going to cause problems for Villanova, their tempo. And also what's going to cause problems for Villanova is the fact that, like you said, Eugene, they're running 11 deep. They play uh, 11 guys at least 10 minutes a game, and it's a constant rotation. They're playing guys in and out. I think they only have, like, two guys that are playing, like, really significant minutes or two or three guys playing really significant minutes. And it all starts, though, with Chandler Valdrin. That's your guy. That's the senior guard. He's the team's leading scorer, rebounder, assist man, and stealer. He shoots 48% from the field and 37.5% from beyond the arc. He's not the best free throw shooter. He's a little tad under 70%, so I guess in a close game, you might want to foul him. But still, this man, he's 6'7 as a point guard. He can back you down. He's going to try and bully whoever's guarding him. It's, it's going to be a problem. He does not seem like a fun matchup, but hopefully uh, Villanova's up to the task there. Another guy I want to highlight is Adonis Arms. Great name, by the way. Fantastic name. All, all I love tournament the alliteration. name team. All tournament yes. name team. <laughs> MOP might, might even be MOP. <laughs> so great name, but on the court, is he good? Yeah, he's pretty good. He's averaging about 10.5 points per game. He transferred in last year, so he had to sit out and redshirt. Uh, the previous year, and obviously everything got cut short with COVID. Then on the court, shooting about 40% from the field, sub 35% from beyond the arc. So a little bit of an inefficient scorer, but he led, uh, but he was second on the team. Sorry, I led. He was second on the team in rebounds as guard, as a guard. Another guy, Charles Falden, senior guard, averaging double digits as well. And he's a pretty good three-point shooter at 37%. Josh Corbin, sophomore guard. He was the team's leading three-point shooter, averaging 42%. And he shot, he had the most three-point attempts on the team, and he only played 14 minutes a game. So it seems like he's going to be part of a run-and-gun type offense when he's out there, despite only averaging about seven points a game. And then lastly, sophomore forward DJ Burns. He was scoring in double digits as well. So that brings you up to four guys that were averaging double digits for the Eagles. And I think that's just the testament as to how deep they are. You know, it's not like these guys, they're just throwing them out there and letting them run. Like these guys, all these guys contribute. So, and they all fill a the specific niche or role that this team needs them to play. And I think Villanova's got to have to do a great job in the scouting department to kind of wither the storm here. Yeah, I think in a way, it's kind of a double edged sword. It's yes, Winthrop has 11 guys. They can roll basically two teams out, like it's a platoon swap. However, I feel like when you have to key in on everyone on the roster, and you have to be prepared for an 11-12 man rotation. That allows for no surprises. And I hope everyone pays close attention to that scouting report because I, I feel like there wouldn't be any surprises. Like we're not gonna have like the eighth guy go off for 26 points <laughs> and, and surprise anybody. 
However, you know, on the other hand, the depth is pretty concerning, especially for a Nova team that doesn't have depth. Yeah, that's that's the thing for me. It's like Villanova runs six, seven guys most nights, and this team's going to be running 11. I don't know, man. Scary. So let's hear from Jay Wright, his thoughts on Winthrop, and let's also hear about what teams they remind him of. We got a great team in Winthrop to play, uh, a team that really knows how to win, obviously 23-1. and one. They won their regular season. They won their conference tournament. They've got uh, great depth, um, outstanding discipline. Um, I, I think Pat Kelsey's done an amazing job, not just with this team this year, the program. So we know how good of a team we're playing, and uh, we have great respect for them, and we're ready to go. Their, their ability to play fast um, also comes from their depth. Um, you know, they, they play 11 guys that, that are uh, – you know, it's not with 11 guys with good balance. You know, it's not like they stick, you know, 9, 10, 11 in there to get them a couple minutes. I mean, they they play with great balance. You know, um, even their, their their big guy Burns, you know, who's as good a player as they have. He plays 15, 15 to 20 minutes a game. You know, and it keeps everybody fresh and it allows them to play not just fast, but with a lot of great energy. Obviously, we don't, we don't match up well, you know, but <laughs> – that, that's part of the, you know, that's part of the tournament. And, and, and it, it really is. Um, as you say, matchups are, are a big deal. And we expect this to be a really difficult game because, um, you know, we, we don't play with that much depth. We don't play with as much speed. And, uh, and they do. Um, and, and, they're, and they're good at it. And they've, they've had a lot of success. Um, you know, they've played, you know, even, even last year, um, you know, they played Duke – you know, at Duke gave them a great game. They, they, they've played um, major um, conference teams and, and, and been very effective. They've dominated their conference. Um, you know, and they've got a six, seven point guard in, in, in Chandler uh, Vaudrin that you just don't see that anywhere. You know, he's, he's physical. He, he passes it. He scores. Um, he posts up. Um, they're, they're, they're a very difficult matchup. I think they're a combination of, of Butler and, and Creighton where they, they play really fast like Creighton and, and really disciplined defensively like Butler. I'm surprised you went with Butler and Creighton. I would think that the tempo would suggest another Big East team. Right, yeah, I thought it would suggest St. John's as well. I guess that's an interesting aspect, though. We all know that Butler and Creighton did beat Villanova once each, so that's also concerning. So I, I think it's more of a combination of all three. I'm not necessarily disagreeing with Jay right there, but the, the tempo definitely reminds you of St. John's for, for sure. I'm just curious as to who guards Vajran, a six, seven guy, do it all. He's physical too. He's not a softy. Sometimes you see six, seven guys who want to be perimeter guys so badly, like Henry Ellenson, for example, shout out to Marquette from <laughs> years back, five-star forward stretch big, but it seemed like all I want to do is just be a two guard. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't know who's going to cover him. What, what would you suggest? Do you take maybe Jermaine, put him out on him, or do you just kind of roll with Justin Moore and hope his ankle's okay? Yeah. That's the, that's the thing too. It's like, do you want Justin Moore to have increased responsibility on his ankle, which sounds like it's okay. It sounds like he'll be fine. However, do you want him to have that increased responsibility? Do you put Chris Arch on him? I don't Chris Arch too much on the defensive end. He knows what he's doing. It seems like he's, you know, he's making the right reads. It's just I feel like he doesn't have the speed yet or the athleticism 
to keep up right. with a guy like this. And also the height difference, probably pretty big. I guess you got to go Jermaine. But then, you know, what's the rest of their lineup going to look like? Are they going to just gonna have height all around? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. You're going to have a mismatch somewhere. So I don't know, man. It's That's such a tough call. Thank God I'm not on the coaching staff. <laughs> but I, I would prefer to go with Jermaine. And then if you're getting beat elsewhere, I mean, make the necessary adjustments, obviously. But if, like, worse comes to worse and you got to stick more on them, like with the ankle, I think you got to do it. I mean, it's do or die time. I mean, obviously, I don't want to throw him to the wolves and have him re-aggravate the injury. But if the trainers say he's good to go and all indications are that he is, then I think it's not the worst idea in the world either. Yeah. And one thing, too, when you look at Winthrop's stats, some might say, oh, it's inflated because of who they play and and this and that. And that's fair. I think that's a pretty fair criticism. But one stat that does jump out to me is that they're really good at forcing turnovers. And I feel like that ability travels no matter who you're playing against. So. Point guard play is going to be especially key, whether that's Chris Arch, Justin Moore, or whoever it's got to be, even point forward, Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Can't give Mm -hmm. a team like this any extra possessions or giveaways or anything like that. No, you can't because they'll get out in transition and they'll beat you down. I mean, we saw what happened when when Villanova played St. John's the first time out. They turned the ball over a significant amount of times. Now, obviously, that was kind of St. John's plan. But Villanova had a lot of unforced errors in that game, too. And as a result, what did St. John's have? Like half their points were like on off of turnovers or some ridiculous amount. Can't have that. Whatever the number was, it probably didn't feel as high as it, it felt like. Yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is true. That is true. So let's not try and repeat that. And I think they, they probably should win. Now, obviously, we all know how it goes for Villanova in the tournament. You got to shoot well. You cannot be putting up nine for 30 from beyond the arc like you did against Georgetown. You can't be shooting 67% from the free throw line like you get in Georgetown. They got to show up. Got to show up. We can talk about how Winthrop is this, Winthrop is that, and defensively, but offensively, without Colin, it's been a little bit of a struggle the past few games. They need to hit their shots. We need to see them hit their shots. It has definitely been a struggle. On the bright side, though, I feel like with the early exit from the Big East tournament, they've had more time to just focus on practice and getting adjusted to post-Colin life. I think with the Providence game, they were thrown into it. They had, what, like 36 hours to adjust, and half of that time mm-hmm. was bent mourning the news or reacting to the news. And then after that, they had a couple of days to prep for Georgetown without Justin Moore. So now that they got Justin Moore back, Chris Arch, full week of practice, I'm hoping – It'll be better because it. you did see improvement against Georgetown. It still wasn't ideal, but you did see improvement in that game versus the Providence game. You did. It was a slight improvement, but it was an improvement. So hopefully that trajectory stays the same. And this is their first layoff in a while. Like I think they had that one week stretch where they didn't have any games back in like February. I think it was late February. And we were all we all said, like, yeah, this is a good idea. Like, don't schedule any more games. They needed to rest. But now, like, this is your first long rest in a while, so hopefully they're rested, and hopefully they made the adjustments, and hopefully the practices work. That's all you can hope for. We will see. We will see. Late tip-off on Friday, 9.57 p.m. tomorrow night. Like like I said before, it's going to be a long marathon ahead of you, so don't eat too much pizza or adult beverages that you can't make it. <laughs> right, exactly. So what's your pick, Eugene? What are we going with? Well, before we, we do that, I actually want to – preview the next matchup and then we'll go into what we think is going to happen over the weekend ah uh, i got you i got to kind of save the suspense got to save the suspense okay fair enough 
before we move on to the next round, though, I just want to give a quick shout out to Matt Cray. He's a former Winthrop manager, found our show somehow. I don't know how. I guess Winthrop's doing a little scouting, doing a little scouting on Nova. I, I don't blame them. They got to be excited, too, especially with the way that the, the hype has been kind of turning their way. We've been on both sides before, so I, I'm sure that they're pretty pumped about that. But, yeah, former Winthrop manager, also a news anchor now. Shout out to him for listening to the show. It's like when we had fans from Wichita. We didn't expect it. Unexpected places. Or when DePaul found us and then oh, yeah, they had us that. on their show. Yeah, yeah, a few years back. Mm-hmm. So after this Friday game, the winner will move on to Sunday and they'll face either Purdue or North Texas. Now, Chris, Purdue, mm-hmm. we said it last time. It's like, why? Why, why do we <laughs> got to do this again? Why are they there? Why, why are they there every year? Now, Purdue's in the Big Ten, and the Big Ten has gotten a considerable amount of hype this year. For good reason. For good reason. It, it wasn't like a few years ago when it felt like they were overrated. Yes. They're actually really good. And they're yeah. very, they got a lot of great teams at the top there. I mean, just looking at Michigan, Illinois. However, you have Purdue, which finished fourth in a pretty loaded conference, which is still pretty impressive. They're coming in 18 and nine. They got a bunch of quality wins, I'd say. However, mm-hmm. What's the lowdown on them? Something tells me, and I heard, that they got another big man. Uh, multiple big men. So to your point about the key wins, they beat Ohio State twice, who they actually finished ahead of in the conference, and Ohio State's a two-seed, so uh, pretty impressive. Uh, they also beat Michigan State twice, once when Michigan State was ranked. They beat Minnesota when Minnesota was ranked, and I know they kind of fell off the wagon, but still, still a quality win at the time. They also beat Wisconsin. But they did not beat Iowa, Michigan, and Illinois. So I guess a fourth seed is pretty appropriate ranking for them. Weren't able to beat the true upper echelon of the conference outside of Ohio State, but they were able to beat up on pretty buddy else. So good enough for a fourth seed. Makes sense. So coming into this game for Ken Palm, they're 13th overall, 23rd adjusted offense, and 23rd adjusted defense. So very good on both ends of the court. Uh, that is going to be uh, very problematic if Villanova were to face them. But they are also... 274th in just the tempo. So that means they're very slow. Hooray. Finally, not a fast team uh, that could give uh, Villanova problems with tempo. So it'll be a complete 180 if Villanova were to beat Winthrop and then play Purdue in terms of styles of play. Uh, But going into the individuals for Purdue, uh, their resident big boy, it's Trevion Williams, junior forward, averaging 15.6 points per game, averaging nine boards a game. Uh, Good luck to JRE if uh, it comes to it. Uh, hopefully you're up to the task there because Trevion Williams is a problem. Shooting over from 50% of the, from the field, he's had several games where he's dropped a bunch of points. He dropped 30 on Indiana State back, back in December. He kind of slowed down toward the end of the year where three of the final four games in the regular season didn't have exactly the best output. He scored less than 10 points. But then he finished strong in the conference tournament loss against Ohio State where he dropped 26 and put up 14 rebounds. He's going to be a very big problem if they do face each other. And he did actually play in the Villanova game in 2019 in the tournament. He only locked six minutes. I believe he missed three of his only three shots. So uh, he has played Villanova in the past. Another guy I want to highlight, Jaden Ivey, freshman guard. And when I was doing research, I remembered, oh, my gosh, freshman guards have been killing Villanova this year. We saw with St. John's and Butler and Georgetown what they've been doing to Villanova. And now Villanova might potentially get another one. He's averaging about 10.5 points per game and two assists per game. His shooting numbers don't look great on the surface. Shooting sub 40% from the field and 24.7% from three, but it took him a while to get going. Finished the year strong, 
scored 15 or more in the final five games of the year. And the only one where he didn't was it was 14 points. So a lot of his duds early in the year were because of his poor three-point shooting, but he seems to have found his stroke a little bit better. Now, Eugene, answer me this. When was the last time we have talked about a Purdue guard that was struggling and came into the tournament and then played Villanova? Oh, the same oh. guy that we thought wasn't going to be a problem because he was shooting ice cold, even worse numbers than this, honestly, going in. Significantly and, worse, yeah. Yeah, and it's crazy because Carson Edwards was a great scorer, but he just it wasn't all efficient during that entire season. And then, of course, Nova, he goes off, and then the rest of the tournament he goes off too. Plays his way to a pick. He did, yeah. He did end up getting uh, drafted because of those performances. But, yeah, this reminds me of Carson Edwards 2.0. Yes, I know Ivy was a freshman. Edwards wasn't exactly a freshman, but still. It's the same type of storyline, and hopefully it has a different ending. Uh, two more guys I want to highlight, though. Sasha Stefanovic, he's shooting three-pointers for days. He's from shooting 40% from beyond the arc, leads the team and makes and attempts. And he did play Villanova in the tournament game in 2019. And he made his only three-pointer because, of course, he did because everyone on Purdue made their three-pointers that day. <laughs> uh, and then lastly, I want to highlight Zach Eady, freshman center. Now, you hear center, and you're like, oh, wow, like you don't really see a lot of college basketball players listed as center. You usually just see forward, and you wonder why. Well, this is why. He's seven foot four. They got another guy over seven feet between Isaac Haas, Matt Harms, now Zach Eady. They just constantly produce these guys that are over seven feet. He's a beast. He's tall as all hell. Where do He's, they find all these people? How do they always come here? It's it's a pipeline, man. I don't get it. Shout outs to Purdue for finding these random big men that always end up playing pretty well. Uh, he's He is Canadian. Just thought I'd throw that out there. He's averaging nine points per game, four and a half boards per game. He's shooting 60% from the field. So yes, Eugene, even though Matt Harms may have physically left, like you had mentioned last episode, he is still here in spirit. It's crazy. I feel like Purdue goes to all these big men and they're like, hey, how about you come play Division One basketball for the Big Ten Conference at Purdue University? Coach, will I have to shoot threes or learn a stretch big game? Oh, no, that won't be necessary. You just have to pick things up and put them down. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, just reach above the rim and your, uh, your whole job is done. Now, this team has me more concerned just because you look at that beast front court and Front court depth is obviously something Villanova doesn't really have. They do have Eric Dixon, who they're starting to give more minutes, thankfully. Trey Patterson has barely played, or sorry, I shouldn't say barely played, but he's only he's only been in the system for a couple months, so I highly doubt we'll see him. However, yeah, you look at that front court. How do you not get worried? Two mm-hmm. guys, one six foot ten in the top score, rebounder, and then the other guy is seven foot three. He just stands there and just says, You shall not pass. <laughs> Gotta be a problem. And we all know Villanova just hasn't matched up lately or good at all lately with teams with front court depth. Shout out to that one guy a couple of years ago when he was just, I don't even know why. He was like trolling us over Purdue fan sizes and things like that. But all I got to say is at the end of that 2019 game, I saw all the Purdue fans. <laughs> I saw a lot of other fans leave early, but the Purdue fans were there. They were there. They were, they there. were there. It was not It was not a lie. It was not a lie. And if it wasn't but, for some magic from Virginia, they probably would have made the final four and they uh, would have gone to that too. Shout out to Carson Edwards, though. He did ball out. I can't lie. 43 yeah, points. It was rough to watch. Maybe they're running the score up a little bit, but uh, at the end of the day, just tip your hat. On the flip side of that matchup, we've got North Texas, the Mean Green Fighting Machines. They had sick jerseys, from what I remember, in their Conference USA tournament. However, everybody knows you can't just look good. You got to be able to ball on the court. What's the story in North Texas? And. They're the 13th seed, so it's highly unlikely we face them. However, it is March Madness, and you never know what can happen. 
yeah, got to throw it out there just on the off chance it happens. And like we said on Tuesday, Villanova's due for a upset that actually benefits them. So hopefully that'll be the case. Anyway, going into North Texas, they finished third in the Conference USA West division. I didn't realize Conference USA was split into two divisions, but they are. And they went on a big run in the Conference USA tournament to snatch that automatic bid. And they beat arguably the two best teams in their conference of in Louisiana Tech and Western Kentucky. They played three teams this year that made the tournament with Loyola Chicago, West Virginia, and Arkansas, and they lost all three. And none were partic- that particularly close. I think the closest was Loyola, where they lost by eight. Kind of looking into this, a little bit shocked that they were a 13 seed, but then you kind of pull back the numbers with Kempom. They're 71st overall, which is actually higher than Winthrop. That kind of shocked me. 119th in adjusted offense, 42nd in adjusted defense, which is pretty good. And that's actually higher than Villanova's. But then you look at their tempo and you're like, all right, maybe that's a little bit of a correlation there. They're just a tempo. They're 350th in the country at tempo. So they play even slower than Villanova's, slower than Purdue. There's only seven teams that operate slower, and two of them are in the tournament, Mount St. Mary's and Virginia. So if they do face them, it's going to be, it's going to be a slog fest if that uh, game were to happen. Uh, so individuals, though, going into it. They're a very, very senior-laden team. Four of their five starters are seniors. It all starts, though, with Javian Hamlet, senior guard, 15 points per game. He balled out during the conference tournament and could pop off at any given moment. He had games of 30 and 28 points earlier in the year, and he's just a good all-around shooter. Nothing, he doesn't do anything particularly great, but he does everything pretty well. James Reese, another guard, averaging about 10.8 points per game. Zachary Simmons. He's a 6'10 forward. He's the leading rebounder for the team and is a force inside. He's a pretty good shooting percentage on the year, and he's averaging about 10.5 points per game. And lastly, Thomas Bell, senior forward. He looks like more of a wing-type player, can score inside and out, shooting about 39.5% from beyond the arc, and he's averaging about 10.5 points as well. So, yeah, they got four seniors, all averaging double digits. It's, uh, they're a senior-laden team, and I think this is their moment to shine and put up a fight against Purdue. We'll see. We'll see. They're definitely coming in as heavy underdogs. There's one thing that'll go on their favor is that they've been very good defensively inside the arc. They've only held teams to just 44% on two pointers. And that's actually 20th in the country. They also do force turnovers at a pretty good clip. I don't know how they're going to handle those front court beasts though, but that's why we play the games. We don't just play it on paper. Chris, what's your prediction for this weekend? How do you think it'll shake out? Man, this is so tough. I, I've been going back and forth on this all week. Probably going to go back and forth on this all day today, all day tomorrow, right up to 9.57. My answer is changing by the minute. But right now, I say Villanova wins round one, and unless Purdue gets upset, they lose in round of 32 to continue the meme. And Purdue beats them and Villanova bows out. What about you? Yeah, as much as I really like Chandler Vodrin, I don't think that Winthrop will be able to beat Nova. I think Nova is able to regroup. I think the extra practice time, the time in between the Big East tournament loss and then the time since Colin Gillespie went down, Nova's going to be able to figure something out. I think they just need more time to figure out their identity, get used to having Chris Arch or Justin Moore or Brian Antoine, whoever it may be at point guard. So I think with two weeks under their belt, they're going to feel a lot better. They're going to look their best since the injury. I know it's been a little rocky, but I think they get through round one. And then you go into round two, where I think they're going to face Purdue, unfortunately, barring some major upset. If they, if the mean green can do it with their sick jerseys, 
then I think Nova should be able to advance to the Sweet 16. And everybody knows when Nova gets past round of 32, there's only one option to go all the way. <laughs> Automatic. At least, at least in the last five, six years. Yeah. But I think they're going to face Purdue. And unfortunately, I think that's where the season comes to an end. That front court is just a little too scary for me. And I'm not going to lie. I, I do think that Purdue would win. The brackets will be public information starting tomorrow. So I'm not going to say like, oh, Nova can beat them. And then everyone will see my bracket tomorrow. Uh, unfortunately, I think that's how it ends. However, you know how it is. If it's a different result and Nova, and that means Nova gets to go far, we're going to root for it. It's just like in 2016 when I had them go to the Elite Eight, but then they went further. So then can't complain. No, you can't. You and I both, Eugene, we both had them. We both had them in the Elite Eight. I think everybody had them in the Elite Eight in that year. Except for the Trolls. Except for the Trolls. (laughs) Yeah, who was the first round opponent? Was UNC Greensboro or something like that? Uh, Yeah, UNC, Asheville, Asheville, Iowa. Right. Oh, yes. I remember Iowa being a big point of contention that year because they were like top five for a good chunk of the year, but then they fell hard at the at, toward the end of the year. Yeah, and I was like, oh, see, here we go. It's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And then they had a Jared Utah and everyone thought like, oh, they have a good big man as if Nova's Daniel Ochefu wouldn't shut him down. <laughs> <laughs> Completely disregarding. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was. I remember. No, I distinctly remember from that year. ESPN had an article. Oh, the day, it was the, day the bracket was released. Was disgusting. And Temple, they had Temple beating Villanova in the second round. And I'm like, okay, guys, let's <laughs> calm down. I, you know what? We we can go back like all those years. Like you know the UConn thing. All right, 2014. I understood it. UConn was on a divine run. The NC State one, as bad as that was, people were calling it, but you you kind of understood it a little bit. But Temple, you mean to tell me <laughs> Temple was going to beat them in 2016. Okay. All right. You know what? Fine. Okay. And ever since then, we have stopped reading ESPN for uh, prediction purposes. So, And not only we... that, Villanova, after that, went out some insane big five streak until Penn, of all teams, broke that up broke for a little up. bit. Of course, because of course they did. But Villanova got two championships in that little window, so that's okay. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Villanova glory trumps whatever money you can win from your bracket pool. That's rule number one. Rule number 100%. one. I will say, though, yeah, I haven't really paid too much attention to the ESPN article since, but I, I do vividly remember 2016, the day the bracket drops, not even five minutes later. Teams I don't trust. <laughs> oh, my. And then you got, you got the picture. Or teams most likely to get upset. I know exactly what picture you're talking over. about. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it was it was Josh Hart like centered yes. and like Jenkins was facing him, Arch was facing him, and had the, they had the blue jerseys on it. It was it was hilarious. Oh yeah, good times. And then, yeah, and then every round it was like what you know they had all these talking heads on. It's like why can't you? We know what you're gonna say, and then they would say exactly what you thought they would say. <laughs> and then they were proven wrong. So every maybe round, every round, maybe this year just. Maybe. First five seed. Is, is this the year for the five seed? It was the 16 seed a couple years ago. Is this the year for the five seed? Possibly. Possibly. Prove them wrong just a little bit. I'll take a sweet 16. And before we hop into the mailbag, I just want to talk about something that just popped up yesterday, actually. It picked up a lot of steam throughout the day. It's really making its rounds. Just a bunch of players and athletes tweeting out the hashtag not NCAA property. In regards to fighting for players and athletes to have the rights to their own name, image, and likeness, which obviously 
is owned by the NCAA right now. Chris, what are your thoughts on this movement? And do you hope it gets anywhere? Should it get anywhere? I think personally, it's nice to see the athletes make a make a stand here, make a stand here, and it seems to be picking up a lot of steam. It certainly does look that way. I do hope that some progress is made there. You know, Eugene, we I think we had this discussion when we were in school. We've had it probably a couple of times on the pod that I think when we were in school, we were kind of in the, the the thought process of, oh, these guys, you know, they're getting a free education, and that's you know that's their way of getting paid. And at the time, it seemed like a good train of thought but now as we've graduated from school we've been in the quote-unquote real world for the past four years i i i don't care let them do what they want i it's just like like get get all their likeness get their image paid like all whether it's through video games or the, through jersey sales shoe deals whatever this is this is what they want to do and you know i understand the whole slippery slope argument with you know if basketball players getting paid or you know, then you got to pay like the women's polo team or whatever. And like, whatever, that's not pertaining to the situation. But with this, with this specifically, if like with video games, shoe deals, jersey deals, all that stuff. Yeah, 100%. Let them get paid. Yeah, exactly. I think being able to have your name, image, and likeness, regardless about how you feel on the whether or not athletes should get paid. I feel like name, image, and likeness should be like baseline. Everyone should have that. It's not really on the universities to pay them or whatever. It's more of if, let's say, for example, if Josh Hart was in college and he wanted to make a Twitch stream and then he was making bank, like he should be able to do that. Or remember a right. few years back where that Florida State kicker who did all the trick shots and he had a viral YouTube channel and it was a big hit. And then the NCAA was like, oh, no, you can't you can't do that. You're not allowed to do that. Yeah. Couldn't get paid through YouTube. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. And it's like, let's just say you, you developed an app and that was like your hobby and that ended up being a hit. You should be able to make money off that. Or what? maybe you want to make some, maybe you make music on the side. We knew a few football players back in our heyday that were performing and stuff, but they couldn't even get paid just because they were student athletes. Shout out <laughs> Gary Bills Underwood. <laughs> but just the whole idea to name image likeness. If any other college student can do it, like a music major can go make an album or some engineer can go develop something. Why not let athletes be able to use themselves, whether, yeah, it's Jersey sales or just being able to have events going out to like endorsement events or things like that. Cause at the end of the day, everyone looks at D one, like, Oh, but what about your platform? There's an even bigger percentage of student athletes out there that are D two D three. They don't even get a sense of the limelight. And they can't even, and they can't even do, do anything. anything. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, remember, uh, I think we had the discussion a few years ago where people were getting like the, a D3 school baseball team, or maybe it was just Richmond's baseball team. I forget which one. Or maybe it was just both. That they participated in a bracket pool and they all got suspended for it because they were gambling. That was quote-unquote gambling. Are you, are you kidding me? Like You can't even do that. Yeah, fantasy football, Richmond baseball team. I remember that because Kim Adams, your brother, was on the team, I think, at the time. That's why. That's why we brought up. That's why it was brought up. So it's just like ridiculous. They're, they're already limited in ways to make money as is. Let them do what they want. And for and and just for this reason only they should do it. I mean, remember Eugene, back when we were younger, get you open the Xbox 360, you plug in uh, NCAA 2K, and then you, you play as whoever you wanted. Obviously, you pick Villanova. Villanova and you just see point guard number five 
<laughs> like everybody knew who that was. One. Yeah. And like we're just like, what? What was who is this? Like I it just never resonated with me. I'm like, I'm so used to seeing names there. So bring back the video games and put the names in it because it makes it just that much more fun. And all those kids out there growing up, they won't be as confused as we were. Yeah. And like you said, Chris, I think when we, we came into college, I definitely was under the, the vein of, oh, but they get the education, this and that. It was a little naive. It was a little ignorant. But then you have Bunny Manziel do, start to speak up about it's time for athletes to get paid. And then you think, oh, this guy's just a spoiled brat. But then you start seeing start seeing behind the curtain a little bit. And then you start asking, where's the money going? And then it all comes together. Right. <laughs> Right. Yeah, it, it certainly does. And I'm glad glad people are starting to speak up a little bit about it. It's good. I mean, we, this discussion always rears its ugly head every yeah so often, every, every college basketball cycle. But it seems that this year, or like this incident right now, at least from what you're telling me, seems to be garnering a lot more traction on social media and with players too. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just them being born in the bubble or like, man, we just went through this whole pandemic year we you know all we got was a good game out of this like come on <laughs> <laughs> right yeah no that's a good point yeah they i mean they probably just been affected as much as anybody through this pandemic so and they had to put their their health on the line and they couldn't even get paid for it i mean just think of that too like they had to deal with potential COVID outbreaks on their teams and they weren't financially compensated for it yeah and, and for fun. example we know Dale Reynolds, when he was in college, he was an aspiring director. What if he wanted to have, put, have a hit YouTube channel? And then all of a sudden, the NCAA finds out, oh, he's making money. I've met a few athletes who used to have vlogs and things like that on YouTube channels, whether it was gaming or just a, a weekly show or a daily show. And it didn't even have to do with sports. It was like, here's my food channel or here's my cooking channel or here's my workout channel. And they couldn't even make money off of that or else they would be suspended and ineligible to play in the NCAA's eyes. That's, that's just a little ridiculous. Certainly is. Hopefully, yeah. Uh... Actually, this is, this is America. We're about free enterprise here. We're about free <laughs> enterprise. Exactly. Unless you're ruled by an organization with four letters. <laughs> All right, NCAA. Give them name, image, and likeness. We can discuss the whole payment thing later. We can figure that out. But every athlete out there should at least get name, image, and likeness. In the meantime, Chris... Let's pop open the mailbag, answer the questions. We've got a few here. We don't have too much. I was expecting more, but I guess everybody's too busy filling out their brackets. We do have a few questions here. First one from Jerry Quinn. What are the keys to the game for a win? I'm assuming he means Friday, tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, I think we kind of alluded to it in our little preview, but I think taking care of the ball and making their shots. And I know that's, pretty much the key to any game <laughs> but it seems to be more of an emphasis this time around with the way uh, how Winthrop plays and the way Villanova's been shooting yeah shut down Vodrin take care of the ball definitely big against a team that is able to force and generate turnovers at a high clip and of course don't get overwhelmed by the pressure and don't get overwhelmed by their depth they're gonna run up and down they're, they can run two and a half units out there it's gonna be a grind and it's gonna be tough but they got to be able to stand their ground and not get overwhelmed like they did against St. John's the first time around. Hopefully we see more like St. John's the second time around when they destroyed them. That's what I'd like to see. 
You and me both. And the second one from Jerry, does Slater get the assignment of the tall guard from Winthrop? I wouldn't be surprised if we see him on there a little bit, especially just for his defensive energy. And as we know, Slater is a huge lockdown defensive guy. So I'd like to see him get a crack at him. He'll definitely get his. Yeah, and the preview we really just talked about. We said, I think the two guys we honed in on were Samuels and Moore. And I'm sure there's people listening to this yelling, why not Slater? Why not Slater? So Jerry brings up a good point. I think we both kind of just overlooked it. At least I did. Oh, well, I was just looking at the starting. It's just like matching up starters on starters. Uh, oh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Right. So uh, we'll see what happens with Moore if he's able to start and whatnot. I mean, he should be able to, but uh, so obviously if he doesn't, I would think Slater starting. But anyway, yeah, I think off the bench, Slater should definitely be getting some burn on him. And if, you know, Jermaine doesn't work or Moore doesn't work out early on, then I think they might have to just go directly to him and see what what works. And the last one from Jerry, where are you watching the game on Friday night? From the comfort of my own home <laughs> on a nice couch. <laughs> what about you? So it's funny. Originally, it was going to be a day off, but some last minute things happen. And I'll now be covering some Friday night lights on the bright side. It starts at 5 p.m. The game's at 9.57. So I should have more than enough time to cover that, write a story eat a pizza, another pizza, and then <laughs> gear up for the late game. Shout-outs to Josh Thompson of Loha Journal News. He said, quote, he'll be back in time to watch Nova. He knows. He knows. He knows. He's doing you a solid. Yeah, he could have given nice me an boss. 8 p.m. game. He could have given me a, a 7 p.m. game, but he gave me a 5 p.m. game. Best so of both worlds. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. And honestly, it's probably not a bad thing just because – I know from 12 o'clock, well, originally it was going to be from 12 o'clock to 10 o'clock, planted on the couch with pizza and adult beverages, watching games back and forth. But now at least there's that break in between, so I could be a productive member of society for about three hours and then come back for <laughs> round two of the March Madness extravaganza. At least you get to be productive. I certainly won't be. <laughs> <laughs> the step count was looking sub-60 until that happened. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, that is uh, – I'm going to try and get a workout in the morning, but we'll see. We'll see. That's we'll not see. a bad idea. I was going to say, what do you think will be higher, the food and adult beverage budget or the number of steps I take that day? But now I will be working, so it's, the steps should be higher. <laughs> yeah. once, once you hit the number of slices – once you're considering the number of slices you eat ex- exceeding the number of steps you take in that day, I think it might be time to go get up off the couch. Not not the worst thing in the world for you. (laughs) Oh, no, I wasn't even talking about slices. I was talking about the food budget, like the the amount of the dollar amount spent on food and adult beverages. Oh, okay, okay. Either way. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, if if it was like two, if three slices, three steps, oh, no, that would be disgusting. (laughs) I'd be appalled at myself. That means I I never went to the bathroom or went to the kitchen to grab another adult beverage. Oh, Oh, good point. (laughs) <laughs> good point. you have everything right out in front of you set up a, another second fridge right next to the third tv screen i'm sure there's someone in america that's doing it oh they got yeah they got all they got the setup there's someone with a better man cave they've been preparing for this moment 100 percent. all right chris 9 57 p.m I don't know exactly what channel it's on i gotta double check i do know we're not at hinkle Fieldhouse. shout outs but you know who will be at hinkle Fieldhouse? Iona. So I'll be covering them on Saturday. Okay. They'll be at Hinkle Fieldhouse. And it's going to have to tell Rick P that that place is uh, not, not that great. 
Not that great. <laughs> Give him a heads up. He can game plan. I'm sure Javon Cornelia can tell him all about it when they when they're in the pregame warmups. Ah, that's a good point. No, uh oh, is that going to be uh, problematic for JQ? I mean, Alabama. Oh, has that's plenty a, of that's other. A, that's a great point too. That's a great point too. Maybe maybe brings back some PTSD. <laughs> if only, if only. I mean, Alabama's got a great team, so I, I severely doubt it. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Anyways. Thank you so much for listening to the State of the Nova Nation. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show. You can do so at View Hoops or State of the Nova Nation. You can find us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Megaphone. You got many, many options. Please check back, check off at viewhoops.com. Catherine Ryan's preview is now live. Definitely check it out. You know how she is. She always kills it on the previews. And this one is very entertaining, very informative. Just exactly what you would expect from her. Just awesome stuff, so please give that a read. And then also check out Jake Goffman's piece from the other day, which had me going on the hype train a little bit. Fortunately, analytics and all that, I don't know anymore. I don't know what to feel, but I do know I'm excited for tomorrow night. Follow VU Hoops on social media at VU Hoops. That's good for Twitter and Instagram. Like our page on Facebook. And you can follow me, Eugene Repay, at Repay 5 And I'm Chris Danziel. I got nothing. Stay safe, everybody. Enjoy the tournament. Nova Nation, enjoy the tournament for sure. Definitely not taking it for granted this year, especially after not having it last year. So it's it's great that the Cats are playing. It's great that they're in action tomorrow night, and it's just great to have March Madness back. Take care. Have a good one. Get the channel guide ready. It's going to be a long, long weekend and then a great tournament. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, Just go to cars.com. It's magical.